Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I sat down with a young lady who was an elected lawmaker as a teenager. Yvonne Bailey's story is next. But first, have you ever tried American Pride Roasters coffee? Have you done that yet? If not, why not? This month, the team at APRCoffee.com wants you to know about their John Adams blend, which is a bold yet subtle blend, much like John Adams himself. Adams should be celebrated because he firmly believed in the right to counsel and presumption of innocence, even when unpopular. These are bedrock principles in the founding of America. John Adams successfully defended British soldiers accused of murder in what is now known as the Boston Massacre. Adams was, at various times in his life, friends with another founding father celebrated by APR, Thomas Jefferson. Though they disagreed vehemently on the proper form and function of American government, with Adams frequently siding with a stronger federal government, they became friends again and regular pen pals after both served in the highest office. And by the way, we can thank Dr. Benjamin Rush for getting those two back together. Be sure to read about the John Adams blend and so many others when you head over to aprcoffee.com. See which brews sound the best for your tastes. And when you do make that purchase at aprcoffee.com, please be sure to use promo code ATM at checkout. You're going to get 10% off your entire purchase. That's aprcoffee.com, promo code ATM. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Yvonne Bailey is this week's guest on At The Mic. And while small state politics was her thing as a teenager, she's now living in Hollywood, California and getting things rolling with a YouTube channel. She recently visited Dallas where we sat down to talk about her already remarkable life and what's next for her. Let's get things going on this week's edition of At The Mic. Joined today by my friend, okay now, here we go. You'd think I would know how to pronounce your name. But listen, follow me here. I know it shouldn't be this difficult, but I have had a mental block for my entire life. Is it Yvonne or is it Yvonne? Because is this a thing? Is Which a one thing? do you think it is? Yvonne. It's actually Yvonne. What? So I yeah. was 0 for 2? Yeah. Because I never had to say your name. Most people say Yvonne. So that one is more socially acceptable to me than Yvonne. Yeah. I typically, Yvonne is a little harsh on my ears. But some people do go by Yvonne, right? Yes. Okay. And That's you go true. by Yvonne. So it might as well just be like a long E at the front. Exactly. And there's like, um, like Yvonne is a French name, but it's also very, it's also a Hispanic name too, which is spelled with an, an I actually. So it is Yvonne. Wow. There's yeah. a lot of variations, but I'm glad it's yeah. not just me. <laughs> Because it felt like, uh, I thought it was going to be a stupid question, but you say, it's, no. it's, it's, I'm not the only one that does it's this. It's a hot debate. Okay, good It's a know. hot debate. <laughs> All right, Yvonne. Yes. You were born in Methuen, Massachusetts. I, Correct. I blew that one. Oh, I got that one right? No, no, Methuen. My gosh, this is going to be the longest interview in history. <laughs> because I'm going to have to stop on every sentence and ask if I'm pronouncing something correctly or not. It's okay. All right, all right. You're very kind to let that go. So you're born there, but you grew up in New Hampshire. That yes. sounds like uh, a lifesaver moving uh, across the border there. Very much so. Um, culturally, life-wise, taxes-wise, just about everything. Thankfully, I didn't spend too much time in Methuen. Went right to New Hampshire. Grew up in Northwood, which is a tiny little town, um, about 20 minutes 
east of the capital. Okay. Uh, hold on, tell me. Don't tell me. Concord. Concord. Oh, okay. Concord. So I got it right. That's a hot topic. No, you said, what did you say? I got it. I said Concord. But I'm no. Saying, I, I know, but I got the, at least the spelling right. This is Correct. seriously going that, to be. That long. one's a hot topic. If you roll into New Hampshire saying Concord, mm-hmm. you're going to get roasted. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm telling you, we are about three sentences into this interview, and I've had to stop to pronounce everything. Okay. So it always has appeared to me that New Hampshire is kind of on an island in the Northeast, surrounded by a bunch of bullies. Yes. While you're trying to be left alone. Is that about accurate? Very much so. I mean, New Hampshire is probably one of the freest... It it is the freest state in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. um, surrounded by... I don't know that that's saying much. (laughs) Which is true, which is true. And, you know, I I get into, like, a lot of little Twitter quabbles with people who I think New Hampshire is... It's one of the freest states in the country, but it's really not that free. I mean, you still saw the same COVID restrictions that were being enacted across the country in New Hampshire. Um, and I know like my mom, for example, right? Like she was out of a job for a long time and the, the other states like Texas and Florida who took really big, bold moves on these COVID restrictions, you didn't see the same thing happening in New Hampshire. So my, my personal opinion Yes, it's the freest state in the Northeast. It is not one of the freest states in the nation. I, I was just going to say, you know, compared compared to what's around it. Right, right. Yeah. right. So uh, something that stuck with me about New Hampshire, the live free or die state, yeah. that has bugged me for, I think, 20 years now. Uh, I remember reading a story once about they were instituting or it was a proposal like a, a, a view tax on your property. Yes, like, there is a view tax in New Hampshire on your property. That doesn't yes. sound like live free or no, die. No, it's not. I mean, some of the New Hampshire is so funny, right? Like, for example, like if it was this beacon of libertarianism, like mm-hmm. marijuana is not legal in New Hampshire still. OK, Um, it's legal in Massachusetts. ironically right and and yes like when you legalize marijuana you bring like a lot of bureaucracy but if you're really some beacon of libertarianism i would think that you that would be one of the first steps in new hampshire we have a lot of very small liberty issues like you don't need to wear a seatbelt you know that's (laughs) okay so Um, what about kids in bike helmets there uh i don't know that one off the top of my head, but I know if you ride a motorcycle, you don't need to wear a helmet in New Hampshire. So Uh there are there are a ton of victories for liberty in New Hampshire, especially when you're surrounded by states like Massachusetts, Vermont and Maine, who are just absolutely (laughs) insane. Right. Um, Wow. So, by the way, I looked it up. New Hampshire, if you're under 15 years of age, you have to wear a bike helmet. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. well. You know, well, they're, they're, I mean, it's hit and miss. It's the same thing with Texas. Right. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we have right. no state income tax. New Hampshire does not either. Correct. But our property tax is stupid ridiculous. Ex- same same thing in New Hampshire. Yeah, they, um, they find a way to get the money from you. And like, are you familiar with the Free State Project? I am very familiar with the Free yeah. State Project. So I... I Keen, New Hampshire? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. I understand. I, I get the idea, like... New Hampshire is such a small state that hypothetically, if you were able to convince enough liberty minded people there, you could move the needle and they are doing good work and they are moving the needle a little bit. But I just think that New Hampshire is so purple. I love the state. It's my home state, but it's so purple and it's so influenced by Massachusetts, Vermont, New York, 
Maine and the other states around it. Like you have Governor Sununu, who is a Republican, Mm -hmm. but, you know, when it comes to COVID restrictions, he's really following the lead of governors like Charlie Baker and um, who's the Vermont governor, Phil Scott and Janet Mills over in Maine, who are not so great on these issues, you know? Okay. Um, So it's unfortunate. There are some great victories there, but it's not. I don't think it's quite the promised land that people say it is. So let's put a bookmark there because I want to come back to talk about New Hampshire and politics and how that relates to your career path. But first, I want to point out something you told me before we started recording. You're visiting Dallas. Yes. Uh, You may consider moving here or what's the deal? Because right now you are a New Hampshire girl living in California, Los Angeles. Yes. Considering Texas... What's up with that? Yeah. So I moved to San Diego three or four years ago now um, for work. Fell in love with, I mean, San Diego is beautiful. The people are great. I hear the weather is perfect 24-7, 365. Perfect. The beaches, um, you know, and it was a great career opportunity. And it just, it just felt right. I fell in love with the people, made like a great network there. Um, And so kind of just like built this new kind of community there that like I'm so in love with. Um, Does it, does it ever rain in San Diego? And the reason I ask, it does, it doesn't really because the Padres play at a stadium. I guess it's been around for, I don't know, 15 years or so. It's a nice park. Right. Petco park or something. Yeah. Okay. And I heard a fun (laughs) stat because they were playing my Atlanta Braves uh, this past baseball season. Mm -hmm. And I remember the announcer saying that the Padres had been rained out more in the last Mm -hmm. like two or three weeks on road games than have ever happened oh. at their home stadium in their 15 years or whatever at, at, at Petco Park. But so does it ever rain there? But you So yes? San Diego is a little bit like I'm I'm comparing it to L.A. where L.A. I prefer the L.A. weather a lot more than I prefer the San Diego weather just because I like dry, hot heat mm-hmm. and I like to be able to go outside every day and know that it's going to be the same. Okay. Whereas San Diego can be a little moody. So like they, they have like May Gray, which is like it's overcast all the time and June gloom, which is a little <laughs> rainy, but like compared that to like Seattle. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to yeah. the, the rest of gotcha. the time is beautiful and gorgeous. I, I so. Will, so so you, you just said that you like it um, hot and dry, correct? Yes. You ever been to Phoenix? I have there. I have not spent time in okay. Phoenix. So there's a, there's a list that we're working through right now. Okay. Okay. Dallas. I don't want to dissuade oh. you on Dallas. Okay. But at the same time, I will say that when we moved here almost a decade ago, it feels like it was a lot drier during the summer, and now it's feeling a lot more humid than it was when we first moved here. I don't know if that's like an influx of tree planting or what, but I can tell you Houston is the worst spot on earth for humidity as far as I'm concerned. But I'm sorry, your list includes oh. Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> Vegas, mm-hmm. Phoenix. Okay. Oh, well, we are the least dry of those three. I I lived in New York City, which I don't know if you've been through a New York City summer. Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's What's the comparison like? I mean, that was hell. But it's different, <laughs> and let me tell you why. Yeah. Because in New York City, I'm walking everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to walk uh, yeah. 12, 14 blocks from... Glenn's studio to the train or to the bus or whatever mm-hmm. and it's different here I'm it's hotter obviously right. but I'm walking from the building to the car Nothing. from the car to the building right you know there it's just kind of a different experience but I will say that uh 
it's just and it smells in in New York City. Yeah. You know, it's just and I hear it's worse. Andrew yeah. Wilkow told us uh, that it's actually worse now Ugh. because people are now well using the streets legally as a bathroom. But yeah. I digress. Yeah. So good luck with your with your decision. If Thank if you, you do end up uh, coming to Dallas, let me know. I will uh, tell you that I'm partial to the Fort Worth side. It's more cool. like the Midwest than the Dallas side, which is more like. I guess the Northeast to a degree. It's more like a. That's uh, funny. <laughs> it's a southern city that wants to be a northern city. Gotcha. Fort Worth is a midwestern city. I like excitement. Then you'll want the Dallas side, <laughs> or Vegas, or yeah. Good luck. We'll see. So, you went to Mount Holyoke College. Yes. Wait, did I actually pronounce something correctly for yes, a change in this podcast today? Mm-hmm. Good, you nailed good. it. And. You ended up, I love this, I'm a proud college dropout. Absolutely. Good for you. What were you major? What were you going to school for? So it's it's kind of a roundabout story. So originally, um, I went to boarding school for high school, mm. and I was a big basketball player. And all I wanted to do was play college basketball. And I really didn't care about anything else in high school. Um, I was a good student. I mean, I was, I was primarily focused on screenwriting at the time, actually. Oh, wow. And I really only cared about basketball. And I was supposed to go to Mount Holyoke to play basketball. And I was all great. Mm-hmm. And um, my senior year of high school, I probably the last half, I got bitten by the political bug. I went and I interned in D.C. for uh, Kelly Ayotte at the time, who was the senator from New Hampshire. Right. And I just got hooked i mean i'm sure you got hooked at one point as a kid just like you're saying you know you get bit by the political bug for me it was more like the talk radio bug when i stumbled onto the rush limbaugh program yep i mean that's 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 my story yep so you did this internship Mm -hmm. and you were like i need to be doing this yes and it was i mean it's when you're young and you start getting into that sphere it's like a drug and you're like just give me more just give me more all i want is more 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 (laughs) and so i'm like in this bizarre position because i come back and that summer, I'm working on a congressional campaign in New Hampshire for um, a, a woman who was a state rep in New Hampshire, who was a very young candidate at the time, Marilyn DeGarcia. Okay. And um, I'm like supposed to go to college and play basketball. And I'm like, I don't know. This sounds like a lot more fun. The, the tuition check <laughs> was due. Yeah. And it, you're like, I got to make a decision here. It, well, so I did my... Um, I worked on that campaign and I started getting involved with campus reform and the leadership Institute uh-huh. and all that. And so I started doing some journalism as well. Mm-hmm. And I, it, Mount Holyoke is in Western Massachusetts. It's probably one of the most liberal colleges in the country. It's a women's college. Um, it is not friendly to conservatives by any means. Mm. So I'm on campus, my freshman fall semester causing a ruckus with campus reform reporting on, this is when all the black lives matter stuff started the first time. And it was very novel at the time, right? Like the mm-hmm. idea of like closing down a street was completely unheard of. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that was news itself. Uh-huh. And so I was reporting on this. I'm getting death threats. And the basketball coach was looking at me. She's like, if you don't play, I'm going to kill you. Uh-huh. And I went to her and I was like, listen, I want to work on this campaign. This is what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to be in the WNBA. That's pretty obvious. Um <laughs> And she lost it. <laughs> and so I finished. It's, it's kind of a funny story. I finished working on this campaign and I love basketball. I still play basketball and I would play with the faculty 
after the campaign ended. But I'm like, I'm not going to grovel. I'm not going to go ask for my position mm-hmm. back. And she would watch me play like and like look down on me as I play with the faculty. And she ended up coming up to me like two months into the season and was like, will you please just play? Oh. And so I ended up playing. Okay. Um, you got you got uh, <laughs> you got back on the team in time for conference play. Yeah. <laughs> right. And um <laughs> Yeah. So when did you end up dropping out then? How long were you so in school? It would have been March of my freshman year. Okay. Or so. February of my freshman year. I didn't drop out, um, but I ran well well they cut the year ended. So yeah, my my freshman year was my last year. Okay. And I ended up that was when I ended up running for office in New Hampshire. Thank you. Perfect segue. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Because how old were you when you were elected to the I was 19. House of Representatives for the state of New Hampshire. 19. Congratulations. Thank I you. I mean, that is incredible. It's it's an incredible feat. Now, let me back up. It's, it's amazing when someone wants to serve. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when someone that young wants to serve. It, it would be amazing if someone won a, a seat as an elected representative. But the fact that you were 19 years old and were elected, that is fascinating. Congrats to you. Thank you. How was that campaign experience? It was a battle. Um, I only won by 100 votes. It was a special election, and it kind of had happened a very strange way. I went to, um, I was working for Campus Reform at the time, and I was breaking some pretty, like, decent-sized stories that were getting picked up in, like, the Washington Post and, like, oh stuff boy. like that. Yeah. You're and getting pulled from all directions. Getting, Basketball, I'm getting death threats. Writing, <laughs> death threats. Oh, yeah, I'm running for office, too. Yeah. My goodness. Well, I went to speak at like our local town committee meeting because they wanted to hear about like some of the stuff that I was working on with campus reform. And they're talking about this special election and they're like, we have this special election coming up and this Democrat's going to run. And she's won three times in a row and she's so great. and Nobody wants to go against her because this and this and this. And I was like, I if you can't find anybody like I would love to do it That's and cool. I'll work hard and like I've worked on campaigns I I have a great work ethic and I don't know everything but I'm gonna try and I'm gonna listen I'm gonna do the best that I can and my mother at the time was at this meeting and she to this day she 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 regrets this reaction but she looked at me and she was like no <laughs> no and I was like well I'm gonna do it like this is what I want to do and people were very supportive and our state senator at the time was very supportive of me and um I worked I had to work very hard because the woman that I ran against was very she she had won three times already and mm. was very established in the community and how was she in defeat gracious or um so it's <laughs> oh no I'll never forget this in my life so I like file my paperwork and I look on her Facebook page and she writes on her Facebook page, a 19-year-old is running against me. This should be good, period. And I'm like... Oh, did you I'm screenshot like, that? Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you don't know. I'm just not any normal 19-year-old, Maureen. And um, it was it was a... It was a it was a very grassroots campaign. I mean, like I come from like a low income family. Like I, I didn't have any money. Like mm-hmm. I had a beat up Mercury Sable, like <laughs> driving up the mountain. <laughs> how big <laughs> is the, Yeah. How big is the district? That it's you had about to cover? twenty thousand people. So it's it's for New Hampshire. It's actually a big district uh-huh. um, because it's four different towns. And so how many people voted? Like, what did it come down to? You said you won that, by 100. Do you know? I won by, I don't remember the actual okay. vote tallies. I, it probably, 
But everybody 3, showed 4,000. Okay, it was a special election. Yeah. And um, she, the, my opponent, had this guy. It's it's in it's in. I have this little book of like weirdest political stories or something like this. The last probably week of my campaign, there was a guy that was volunteering for her. She claims volunteering. I believe he was getting paid. Mm. I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like a big like BLM guy and was with like a lot of like the progressive action kind of groups. So basically a, a a paid protester and would do like all the Occupy Wall Street stuff and cause literally he was a professional agitator. Right. And at the time it was the 2016 presidential primary. So I had like a lot of the candidates campaigning with me like Rick Perry and Carly Fiorina mm. and Marco Rubio. And so I would do events with them and this guy would show up and he would try and get in my face and was very aggressive. And thankfully, like I had people there who would push him back and stuff like that and separate himself from me. And the last three or four days of my campaign, my friend and I are like out. It was a very rural area. We're out door knocking in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I get a call from a reporter saying, hi, I just got your statement about dropping out of the race. (laughs) do you like care to comment past your press release and i said what are you talking about i'm literally door knocking right now i have no idea what you're talking about and they're like your press release said that you're dropping out oh my and this guy had created a fake email account for me written a press release sent it out to all the major newspapers and TV stations in New Hampshire. And some of the journalists in the state were dumb enough not to call me and not to see that it was a, not me sending this press release. You had to and, be mortified. They had, they, so they like tweeted out and they were basically like, oh, this guy had written that I had wanted to return to college and focus on all these other things three days before the election. And so I'm like shaking. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? I like, bet. I have no idea. And he claimed that he had had a few too many beers and thought it was a joke, but that's voter suppression. No kidding. And it, it's like the attorney general prosecuted him. He he ended up getting like a little slap on the wrist. But uh-huh. um, I bet that I bet that's why it was within 100 votes. How many people could just have been. thought, oh, why is she still on the ballot? Right. My goodness. So you get into the state house. Yep. How'd that go? It was great. New Hampshire has the, I should know this, I've always, I can't remember if it's the second or the third largest legislature in the world. Oh, I know there's like there's 400 four, and something. Yeah, yeah 400 reps. It's corralling cats. It's a lot. And when we were there, I was in the majority, we were in the majority. And what, what party were you running? Republican. Okay, just checking. We were in the majority and uh, it was just one of those crazy times in history, right? Like Trump had just been elected. Um, it, it just was, it was delightful chaos, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And, and for the record, uh, New Hampshire does have the largest house of representatives, 400 members Yep. and Minnesota, if anyone cares, has the largest Senate with 67. That's a lot. Too many. Yeah. Right. Too many. Right. So four. So, okay. New Hampshire, not that big yeah. of a state. Yeah. You know, just, uh, as far as size and population size. How how many people per district are we talking about? It's for? it's set up very strangely. So like my I gotta see a map of this state's. Uh, it's it's mental. My district, I had a floatarial district. So I had what's that mean? I had four towns, and there were four other state reps for each town. 
So think of it as a, as an at-large seat. Okay, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's tough. Like, corralling that many people, like, whipping votes and getting anything passed is a very big feat because you have to, like, every vote matters. Uh-huh. Um, I-, I can see. And it's close. And a, a lot of a lot of the big policy um, fights are very, very, very close. And when you have that many legislators, too, you have a lot of clicks and a lot of factions. And um, my goodness. You know. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to make sense of this map here. Let's see if this is the issue with uh, this being <laughs> audio only. You probably won't be able to make sense of it because it makes no sense. So are, are each of these words different? So that's actually a Senate map, I think. Yeah, that's one I couldn't yeah. get the... Uh, because the, the legislative map is just... It, I don't even... It's just not a map because it's so insane. Is it just a grid? or It's no, basically it's just... just a grid because you have districts on top of districts. Okay. Oh, well, oh boy. I found it. I think I found it here. Hang on. And oh. so you'll have like a few towns on where... Is this it right here? Um, yeah, that looks because right. I see in each of the yeah. in some of these um, districts, I'm seeing horizontal lines. Is that saying that is that where there's yeah. multiple? Yeah. This is a mess. It's a mess. And the other thing too that I don't believe that they really do this in other states is you'll have a town like um, like Derry is a pretty big. It's a it's technically a town, uh-huh. and you're not allowed. I, I can't. I think it's under the New Hampshire Constitution. I'm a little rough on my election law. It's been a few years, <laughs> but. Um, you can't divide a town, but if, so if a town has 40,000 people, right. And they say arbitrarily, right. Each, each 4,000 people gets a state rep. You can't divide that town up. So everybody runs at large. And so you have slates of 12 people and it's the top 12 vote getters, which if you have one of those reps is a bad rep, it's really hard to get them out because you have to beat them with 12 other people. Wow. Wow, that's a mess in and on that's, top of a mess. And that's what like contributes to a lot of the um it is a citizen legislature which is great, but there are some significant structural is- issues with the way that things are set up because that's you get people in there for 25 years who are issues. So you're no longer in there. Did you lose? Did you decide No, so I'm I gonna... actually resigned. I took a job in San Diego and um I got gotcha. you. Okay. I so you know, was it not for it. you or, or um, what was the issue there? I got a really good job opportunity. And <laughs> that was I, the issue. I, you know, I didn't finish college and sometimes you got to. Did you think for gotta a moment make the hard decision? <laughs> maybe you would become one of those uh, 25 year, you know, lifer politicians. Um, it was a big decision mm-hmm. for me at the time because th- I mean, that that was it's a, it's a volunteer legislature. So it's free. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so you're not making any money. No. And it's, wow. you know, you spend, if you're a good rep, you're probably going to be up there three to four days a week. So I had a job at the time that allowed me to do both. Okay. But it's it's not easy, obviously. I think that I'm more effective not as a politician, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I've been able to, like I've worked at Project Veritas. I've worked on like yeah. some pretty big projects that I think have 
I'm an ideological person. So like if I want to swing the needle, I think I'm much more effective on that scale yeah. versus being one in 400. It was great. It was good yeah. for me at the time. Mm-hmm. I loved doing it. I met the best people and I loved like serving the town that I grew up in. That well, was amazing. But it looks good on a resume too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to, I'm, I'm like, I'm very much like an impact person. I mean, you're familiar with project Veritas where yep. it's like, is you that, know, one video and you can, you can move the needle sure. on a big understood. Yeah. You know, Is topic. that what got you to San Diego? Or That's actually it? what got me. I was in New York for a bit too. So I was in New York working for James. Okay. Okay. So what got you from New Hampshire then? A to, consulting firm. Okay. Cool. Which was not for me. <laughs> which is not, but I thought it was a great job. <laughs> it was a good job, but it's a difference. Um, so like I, always thought that I wanted to work in Republican politics, right? And I wanted to work on campaigns. And I had worked for, uh, I worked for Carly Fiorina when she Uh was running in New Hampshire. Um, And I thought that I wanted to work on campaigns and do this and be a comms director and do the thing and the thing and the thing. And um, I like working for that consulting firm, I learned a lot, but I learned also I don't want to work in Republican politics. And Mm. that's not a knock on Republican politics, but I'm just a little bit more ideological and mm-hmm. the campaigns and kind of the hubbub of the political talking points. And I'm not a party person. I care more about the issues. I yeah. care more about making an impact. Yeah. And I think that politicians are not the end game. Andrew Breitbart said politics is dran- downstream from culture. And I very much believe that And yeah. it's more important to affect the culture than to elect Joe Schmo to be your congressman for two years. Sure, sure. Now let's let's stop on Project Veritas for a moment and in your work with them and uh, James O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. Were you one of those individuals who would go undercover? No, no. Okay, just wondered. I didn't know if that was like. A... No, I worked in our comms department, so okay. working on stories and yeah, communications okay. department, working on stories and mm-hmm. releases and okay. some production stuff. Too. Are you still doing stuff for them today? Or? No, not okay. anymore. Okay. Um, but it was great. I loved working with James. And... So. What is it that you're doing in Los Angeles then? So right now, I actually just started my own consulting firm. And oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's been you. great. So What's I, the name of your company? Uh, Flow Communications. Flow Communications, F-L-O. Yes. We're going to have to touch on this. Uh, which came first, the name of the company or your cat named Flow? I don't know which <laughs> came first there. Did you name the company after the cat? Potentially. (laughs) Well, I like, it's so funny because I was doing some side work as like people do, you know, in politics all the time. And I had started it a long time ago. It just sounds good. I like the name. And um, it works. It works. You don't explain it to me. And then I was like, well, now that I'm going to transition this to my my full time business and actually like grow it, we're just going to roll with it. How is that going? It's great. Great. Um, great. And so it's a PR firm. You guys yep. do social media stuff, yep. right? Advertising for, does somebody hire you and then you take it from there? Yep. Cool. That's very cool. All right. It's great. And so when you were a kid, did you know what you wanted to do? You know, I mean, mm. you, you had mentioned earlier screenwriting. Yes. How many movies are living in your head right now? When I grew up, that's all I cared about. I cared about that and basketball. And I would just write and write and write and write and write. And I still have. I've kept all of my stuff because I'm a little bit of a geek. But, you know, I got hooked on politics. And I kind of realized that these two things are very synergetic. Or they... is that, that the right if word? If synergetic <laughs> isn't a word, it is now. <laughs> it is now. And it's going to be in the description. There's synergy of there. There is a lot of synergy there. Yeah, and I, I there got it. There aren't a whole lot of great political writers there. The thing for me, though, what I realized, even as a freshman, like I used to like 
labor over these scripts since I was like 15, right? Yeah. But you, if you want to be a screenwriter, you can't be a conservative. No. You're not going to get very far. No. You're not going to get far at all. And if you want to sit in a writer's room and get your butt handed to you all day by other progressive liberals mm-hmm. who are going to yell at you for not having enough, you know, LGBTQ characters or trans characters in your scripts. If that's what you want to sign up for, then go for it. I, that's I, not for me. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are in the industry and are conservatives and they go through they go through hell. I bet every and day sucks. Every day sucks. <laughs> and a lot of them, thankfully, are leaving and kind of starting to do their own stuff, which Good. is nice. But, yeah. um, well, I, I will, you know, I will report that synergetic, while not a word, um, we're going to go ahead and say that it is because uh, I, like it. I, I like it. And uh, <laughs> if we live in a world where they have recently made irregardless a word, <laughs> then we're making synergetic a word. Okay? I like it. All I right. like it. Good. Very good. Okay. So you also wanted to, when you were growing up, become a comedian. Yes. I mean, have you ever done stand-up on any level? I have. Oh, wow. How'd that work yeah. out? Is there, are, there, are there videos on YouTube of you doing stand There are stand-up? no videos on YouTube, oh. and that's intentional. <laughs> oh, really? So that's good that they're not out there? Um, are you not yeah. funny with the... I am. I am. I So <laughs> I really started getting into it when I first moved to LA. I have a very good friend who's a comedian named Adam Yenser, who used to work for Ellen, and he's... He's conservative. Okay. And I'd wow. always wanted Wait, to do that's it. That's good to know that there was somebody conservative oh, yeah. writing for Ellen. Oh, totally. DeGeneres. Totally. And um, he was like in a lot of their sketches too. And like he was a very prominent writer for okay. them. Okay. And I like wanted to start doing stand up and I was so into it and so excited. And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So if I if I'm into something, I'm into it. Yeah. But the issue is you're spending all of this time trying to move the ball forward and COVID happened, which it's, it's, that's it. Like, right. And then I was like, I need to, I need to like move on and focus on things that actually make me money. I've heard uh, <laughs> in that chair right there. I've heard stories like that. Like, and then COVID happened, you know, right. it has affected so much and it, and it kind of derailed the possibility of you doing comedy, huh? But it was a good wake up call because huh. you, I need to, f- I was like, I'm going to focus on what I'm good at and I know how to do. And then the rest will come later. Mm-hmm. And doing stand up in L.A., like I have a lot of really good friends who are comedians. I'm dating a comedian right now. If you're good, you get like 25 bucks for the spot. Wow. Yeah. Hey, but that's more than being a state rep in New Hampshire pays. Which is true. <laughs> I'm a sucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, you followed your heart all the yeah. time. I mean, yeah, you know, it's got its own reward. You yeah. Know? As opposed to working for a company in San Diego that you can't stand. Right. And I think, too, what's about to happen and people should really start thinking about this as reality is there are going to be two economies there's going to be an economy for conservatives and there's going to be an economy for liberals Uh, i thought you were going to say there's going to be a a vaxxed economy and an unvaxxed economy i I mean those are the same thing basically right and if you are a comedian you should start doing conservative comedy because people will eat it up and people are looking for it smart yeah and if you're a screenwriter, you should start writing conservative screenplays. And if you're a filmmaker, you should start making conservative films because there's no we're we're at the point where there's no we can't 
There's, there's, there's no two more, different lanes. Yeah, we have no more uh, synergetic relationship with one side or the other. How right. about that? See, we're gonna we're gonna make this a word, synergetic. Exactly. And if you're like in the industry and you're conservative in LA, they will come after you. They will make your life a living hell. Mm. And it's just like stop trying to talk to people who don't want to listen to you. Right. You know. Right. Well, I, I recall that uh, 20 years ago, living in Houston. Working with Pat, uh, who I work with now here at The Blaze, uh, we would have comedians forced mm-hmm. on us. You know, they were like, hey, so-and-so's in town. You should have him. And neither of us had ever heard of this person. Right. But it didn't matter. Anyway, so the person would come in there, and they weren't funny at all. Yeah. Like, it was just like a regular interview, <laughs> you know? And it was just like, so, you tell jokes. Yeah. Can you, <laughs> can you tell us a joke? Huh? You? And, it, and they would be... they. It, we would have been better suited having the receptionist up front coming in right. here. It would have been more fun conversation. But I'll give you the opportunity. You wanna, you wanna tell us a joke? You wanna make us laugh, there, funny girl? You wanna tell us a joke? Come on, make us laugh. No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've okay. taken that hat off. Yep, yep, yep. And it's I long gone. I got you. But you're dating a comedian. Yes. Do you get laughs in that relationship? Yeah. Okay. That's good. good. That's good? Okay, good, good. good. Uh, So far, so good. That's good, that's good. You gotta laugh. Yeah. You gotta have that. Okay, you just started a YouTube channel. Yes. I know that. Yes. Where do we go? What's going on there? Yeah, so I'm working with, are you familiar with Young Voices? Yeah, Stephen Kent. He was a previous guest on at the mic. Yeah. Oh, so you're cool. working with uh, with his group there? Yep, yeah? yep. Okay. I'm working with them. And so I'm creating a lot of content that's going to be on YouTube, which you can oh, cool. find at Yvonne Bailey, Y-V-O-N-N-E. Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. Yeah. Um, we'll put a link uh, in the description here uh, of the podcast. So very cool. So live streams, podcasts, um, some short form content, and a lot of it, it's going to be culture um, as well as, it's called Hollywood Hell um, <laughs> because I live in Hollywood and it's hell. <laughs> and so some LA politics, some California politics, but also like a lot of like what's going on kind of at the culture level too, mm. which is just complete and utter madness from more of a center right libertarian perspective, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Um, so, but if you escape LA, yes. you still going to be able to, to, to focus on that well, stuff? That's the question. Um, We'll just just go more towards the culture side of things versus the actual. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with L.A. I think it's one of the greatest cities in the world that has been ruined by 50 years of one-party rule and awful progressive policies. Um, Tell tell us how you really feel. It's true. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. But like part of me still longs for old Hollywood, you know? See, L.A., follow me here on my analogy. Sure. L.A. is like that beautiful woman with the crazy eyes. And yeah. It, it, she's all messed up inside. Yes. But so beautiful, right? Yes. That's, that's L.A. That's so, exactly like right. That? That's, that's exactly okay, right. Cool. I like that. That okay. is exactly right. So along for the ride with you are two delightful cats as yes. you describe them. Oh. Uh, we, we mentioned Flo earlier. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> your other cat's name is Big Booty. Yep. That's a... Does, gosh, I can't believe I'm asking about the anatomy of a feline, but does does Big Booty have yeah. said, said Big Booty? So I, I had Flo. I got Flo when I moved to San Diego, and so I've had her for a while now. And then right before COVID, I just felt sad because Flo, mm. Flo's great. She's my buddy. 
But I'm like, I used to travel a lot, and I was like, oh, I just yeah. feel all I, I could I do too. in my head is just like this cat sitting alone on the bed, and I'm oh. like, all by herself. And yeah. I was like, she needs a friend. I'm with you. And um, my friend, client, um, and Mac Mulhenny, who is producing the Hunter Biden movie. Yeah, she and Phelan are awesome. Yes, they they are big cat people. <laughs> they are very big cat people, and they're like, you need another cat. And so I got Booty, and originally her name was Puff, but she is a, this is kind of very strange, um, she's a Manx cat, which is... It has to do with like there's some island off the coast of Scotland or Ireland or something like that where oh, wow. these Manx cats originated. And the legend is that they are actually a crossbreed between a cat and a rabbit. So they what? have huge hind legs and no tail. Oh, wow. Is that a that's is that a real thing? Or that's yeah. Real? Well, I don't know if they're actually who knows. It's a legend, but it looks it looks right. Um, so like a typical cat is like long and lanky and can like jump high and, and run around and is very spry and booty is built like a brick house and like all of her weight is in her, her back, her, like her butt. (laughs) Okay. Okay. She just earned the name. Um, but they're great cats, Manx cats. They're more like, um, they don't jump high cause they can't, Uh they're more like, um, they're like hunters, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Ground cats. That's cool. Well, I'm glad yeah. they've got each other. Yes. That's good. So your favorite app on your phone is Zillow. Ugh. Like, like, Ugh. but why is that? Like, because in other words, are you constantly trying to find some other place to go or? That's a great question. Maybe I'm always wandering. <laughs> or just, or yeah, maybe you're nomadic. No, but I'm just wondering if, if, if you're just like looking at houses and you're just one of those people that's just like, because I couldn't do that because I would want to own every one of those and obviously I can't. So Anne is like this too and she calls it property porn. And basically like I, my favorite thing to do on a Saturday is like I wake up, I get my coffee and uh-huh. I just browse Zillow for like two hours. And like some people like to watch the morning news I just like to sit on Zillow. I like to know what's going on. I like to look at places. I like to set goals for myself. I like to, I mean, obviously like, you know, it would be nice to get out of California if I could find a place that I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just like to look and see what's going on. And it's fun to look. I mean, it's fun to look at houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like looking at cars you can't afford. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So are, are, are Sunday newspapers still a thing? Like, does does anybody get the Sunday paper and well, go to the real estate section and spread it out? And oh, interesting. No. Well, the, I can tell the answer is no. no. Not not in your world. No. It's strictly on the phone. Huh? Yeah, and oh. you can like look. I mean, you can look at most things are on Zillow, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, and 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 your generation, and I'm much older than you, so I can say your generation, everything's digital. You yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting at a desk that is littered with paper, which is show prep for the show that I produce mm-hmm. at The Blaze. Because that that's how I came up, you right. know? It was, in fact, when I came up in the talk radio business, I was literally cutting articles out of newspapers. Wow. I mean, yeah, right, I'm old. So my brain is wired to, to have hard copies Yep. To be able to to spread things out. And that could just be my nature. Maybe it's not just because of my age. But I'm fascinated by, and it's, I don't know, it just seems, I don't know. We, we are so at the mercy of big tech. Mm-hmm. 
Like if Zillow wanted to, for whatever reason, yeah, and and I don't put anything past anybody in the society anymore. But if for whatever reason, ah, eh, we don't want to, we want to make sure that uh, okay, the seller of this house doesn't want to sell to a conservative. Right. So if our algorithm picks up that the person who owns this phone, I know this sounds crazy. No, it doesn't sound crazy to me at all. We're just gonna make sure to <laughs> limit the eyeballs that get to see the. I don't know. I, don't I did know. a just, lot of big tech stuff at Veritas, and it's like, nope, that sounds yep, about no, right. Yeah, you're, <laughs> You're onto something. You just don't realize it yet. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to my friend yesterday and I got an Uber um, and she got to the airport maybe an hour before I did. And her Uber was $30 to the hotel. And we're staying at the same hotel. My Uber was $85. And she was like, what's up with that? And Wait. it's like, it's like probably because every time they put a crazy price in front of me, I say yes, because I'm impatient. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Time out. What time of day was she dry of traveling? Um, I think she got there at like nine and I got there at like 10. At night? Yeah. It was 80, $85. That makes no sense at all. Oh, I know. I think it's, I, I said to her, I was like, they put crazy surge prices in front of me and usually I'm just so impatient and I'm so tired that I'm just like, but fine. See, and that's just it. <laughs> that's one of those things that you just can't really prove. You're just kind of right. like, but whereas like a newspaper, for yeah. example, would be published and printed and right. then whoever walks into the convenience store or the newspaper stand, everybody gets the same thing. I, yeah. With big tech, I don't know if, what they're filtering my searches or, or, mm -hmm. or what I'm seeing compared to somebody like you just, oh my goodness. Yep. No, I hear you. That's and like, scary. I, I don't even like, I typically rent a car when I travel, but there's a car rental shortage like everywhere. I know. And Ooh. I couldn't find anything that made sense, you no, know? No. So Uber it is, we'll pay whatever, yeah. whatever the, the price is, huh? Okay. Your favorite comfort food. I love it. It's tacos. Yeah. I mean... Somebody mentioned, oh, it was Andrew Wilkow, was just saying how, uh, I think this was off the air, because I ended up taking him to the airport after our interview, oh. and I think this is where he was telling me, yeah, when he visits Dallas, there's no good Mexican restaurant, you know, like it's all mm -hmm. chain stuff, and I got to thinking, you know what, you're right, I've noticed, I, I now that you say that, I, I, I think you're right, um, when it comes to tacos out in California, are, are there good mom and pop locations, individual places, or are you talking oh. about Taco Bell? Oh, okay. The best you tacos in California. Okay. Everywhere. There's so many great like mom and pop uh, shops. Uh, and there's a big, like anywhere you go, like San Francisco, LA, um, San mm. Diego, it, there's just like a plethora of good taco shops. Like okay. I don't even think, I'm trying to think if I ever go to a chain. Probably not because there's so, there's just so many. It's kind of like, oh. um, Wow. Like in California, like it on the East Coast, you find a, sh a coffee shop, right? Like every block, uh, an independent coffee shop. It's kind of like that okay. with tacos in, in okay. California. So you're in L.A. Mm -hmm. You're in conservative circles. Yep. So you've worked with a lot of uh, big names in Hollywood that are conservative, mm -hmm. like Dean Cain, mm -hmm. uh, John James. Yep. Christy Swanson. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Buffy, right? Yep. Okay. Um, let's see here. You worked on the Obamagate movie. Yep. Um, so these are good people then that you've met. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good, good. And we've got the Hunter Biden movie that we're working on now, which is going to be... Fun. It's it's going to be so good. And we just got Lawrence Fox 
Um, or do you know Lawrence Fox? If you tell me about him, I might he recognize him. He is a British actor. He was in Victoria. He he leads the Reclaim Party in the UK, which is basically like kind of like anti-lockdown. Yes. He's he's fantastic. Yes. Okay. He's yeah. gonna be great. And he's I, gonna be Hunter, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. if you just think about and Robert Davi is directing it who's awesome okay. okay and if you just think about hunter's story like one of the things that i love so much about Anne and phelan is they definitely get the culture aspect of things which is like it's you know there's i'm not trying to knock conservative movies but oh no 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 Go the majority it. of them are not cheesetacular yeah and they're not appealing to poorly done exactly not worth my time and not appealing to for anyone except for conservatives. Right, right. You're preaching to the choir. It's not no. and making the, the impact that it could. The Hunter Biden movie, it's called My Son Hunter. The The beauty of it is, is Hunter's story is just so not conservative that like, I mean, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But there's also this whole other aspect of the media cover-up, the mm -hmm. big tech cover-up, mm -hmm. and also the pay-for-play. It's just, it's a whole it's gonna be fun, right? lot of good. And it's it's going to be funny, too. Oh, good. Do yeah. we have, uh, first of all, is it going to be distributed in mass to theaters? It's actually going to be out for free on YouTube. Nice. And it's a $1.8 million wow. budget. Yeah. What's the uh, release date? It's actually going to be released pretty soon. Very cool. So if you okay. go to mysonhunter.com, there's all the information there. You can oh, sign up for the email list. And, okay. And, 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 and it, you'll get it. It's going to be for free for everyone to watch. Um, like a YouTube thing? It's YouTube or Rumble. Um, <clears throat> I see. I think. Big tech might step in. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, compared to like what else is on YouTube, I don't see why it would be a okay. problem other than the politics. Yeah. But, very good. Very you know. good. I ask in the email, hey, what cheers you up? And you put friends, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's a great answer. Do you find technology today? And and again, how old are you again? You're 25. 25. So you've never really lived in a world that wasn't digital. Right. So here's my question that let's see what your perspective is on it compared sure. to me. Do you find that having these digital connections makes our relationships more distant or are we more connected in other words it's easy for me to send a text right now to a guy i grew up with mm -hmm. at the same time there's so many distractions in my day connected yeah. to this phone right here yep. that i don't take five seconds to say hey man what's going on in your world i haven't talked to you in a while you know in other words it's a double-edged sword mm -hmm. i guess or catch twin it's something creative that i can't think right now so 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 that's my question yeah how how do you because relationships friendships they require um nurturing mm -hmm. to a degree and it's just so tough because at the end of the day i'm just my eyes won't stay open yeah when i have that moment to reach out and then and then if i do reach out at the end of the day well now i'm trying to go to sleep you know what i'm saying <laughs> No, I hear you. And um, I'm kind of like an odd duck, if that makes sense. Like I, you know, I dropped out of college at 19 and I went straight into the workforce. So most of my friends are actually like most of my friends are in their late 30s and early 40s. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I'm still older. <laughs> it, well, like late 30s to like no, I got you. I 50 got you. Or yeah. is the majority of my friend group. Uh-huh. Um, so typically it doesn't feel like I don't feel over connected, if that makes sense. In that like when I go sit down with my friends for dinner, we're not on our phones. You know, mm-hmm. um, I like work in the digital realm all day. So that's what I do all day. And when I go spend time with my friends, I'm not going to be online because it's work. Yeah. Being online is work. It sure is. Yeah. It, because you're either like, I mean, if you're like, you're big on Twitter yeah. and like I'm a big Twitter addict too. That's also work. That's absolutely work. I, know? I, I will scroll through <laughs> my feed. I will yeah. see who has tagged whatever to yeah. me, you know, and if it looks interesting for the show that I mm-hmm. produce, Pat Gray Unleashed, then I'll be like, oh. I'm going to send that in. Hey, let's have this video. This is great. Yeah. It's literally yeah. working 24 mm-hmm. seven. And, 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 but, but your friendship answer really struck a chord with me because before you sent that to me with your answers, I was just having the thought that what I should do, I should literally, and I could start with the guys in my fantasy football league. Mm-hmm. You know, I should just take long weekends. Just yeah. visit them and their families. Yeah. Man, I haven't seen you in 10, 20 years, whatever. She's like, oh, I'm going to Pittsburgh. Ah, I'm going to go to Denver. Ah, I'm going to go to... I'm not getting to Connecticut rich. Don't blame me, though. You know, because I'm getting older. Where yeah. it's like... I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but at some point I'm going to be like, I'm not traveling for crap. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just... You're, you're right. Friendships are very important. Mm-hmm. But they are so much work. Come on, they, they are a lot of work. But like, <laughs> especially now with COVID, and I mean, COVID everywhere except for LA, it, it seems like it's winding down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, with COVID, and just like, it's just nice to have an, a good network of friends and people who yeah. you can rely on. And also with politics too. Like I've become very, I'm sure you're this way too. I've become very picky with my friends over the years. Like I love, I have so many liberal friends, but they have to be a, a very specific type, which is either someone who is intellectually stimulating and we mm-hmm. can debate things yeah. or or gets where I'm coming from. Yep. Um, you have to be picky nowadays, but right. once you have, and a lot that, of times you don't have a choice. They just kick you out of your out of their circle, right? Just right. based on your politics, right? That too, yeah. Yeah, isn't it a fun world we live in, Yvonne? I I'm a big believer in there's going to be two economies, and there's yeah. it's it's there's just no in between. I mean, you have like like you have major companies saying, "I don't want to do business with conservatives." Mm-hmm. You know, good times. We have to make alternatives. Yep. Tell me about Carrie Marsh and the impact this individual had on your life. So Carrie Marsh, oh man. So I, when I first ran for office, was obviously very green and like I had worked in the political sphere a little bit. um, So I kind of knew the landscape, but I didn't really have anyone guiding me or helping me. And you know, it was a big race. There was a lot of eyeballs on it because I was 19 mm-hmm. and also because it was during Good. the presidential primary season. Yeah. And I, like I got a, a pretty decent amount of media. So, you know, I but I was doing most of this work on my own. Like it was just me like pulling stuff together 24 seven, just trying to make things work. And I met Carrie for the first time at a fundraiser for somebody. 
Um, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I mean, it's like, you well know. Well said. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she's like, you're that girl running for office. And I'm like, yep. And uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, okay. Like, I'll help you. And I'm like, okay. Like, everybody says that. It's like, okay, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. And the second time I met her was at the New Hampshire Young Republicans uh, Conference. And it was some big battle in her party politics over this person wants to be chair and this person wants to be chair. And everybody's fighting and I'm just sitting there like, why am I even here? And, <laughs> I'm 19. Get me yeah, out of here. Yeah, I'm like, this is hell. And <laughs> Carrie gets up and she goes to the front of the room and she's like, everyone's fighting, everyone's fighting. But there's something more important here right now that we need to be talking about. And everyone's like, what is she saying? Uh-oh. And she's like, we have a young Republican for office here right now and she needs our support wow. and we need to donate and make this like oh, nice. help her win. And so she grabs a hat from this guy in the audience and she starts passing it around and she raised like 1500 bucks for me off oh. this like awful, I mean, this it I was wanna, a complete disaster. I want to meet Carrie Marsh. She's great. And so <laughs> Carrie ended up being the New Hampshire state director for Carly Fiorina. So I ended up working for her okay. and then I worked for her at a consulting firm after that. And she's been one of my mentors and best friends. That's since. really cool. Well, yeah. shout out to Carrie Marsh. Would be nowhere without Ms. Marsh. Pass the hat for me. Yeah. And, uh, because I need a, I'll come up with some excuse for her to pass the hat for me. Okay, so tell us about the life-changing uh, story where you were in high school and uh, you didn't take a cab to the airport. And what happened? So I, this is this is just a wild story, and mm-hmm. I do like I think it's I'm, amazing the butterfly effect, right? In life. Oh my gosh, it's it's everything happens for a reason, and you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be at that moment. I really, I believe that. See, I, 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 you're not the first to mention that Mm -hmm. during this podcast and I always pause because just, I, I grew up, um, with that belief, Yep. but now I need some convincing, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but you're the opinion that everything happens for a reason. Yes. What happened here? So it was my last day and I was interning for that U S Senator I had told you about in DC and I probably was 18 or 19 at the uh-huh. time. And I'm very stubborn. And I'm also, I'm not cheap, but it's like, I like to no. be, I'm conservative. No, we, we know you're not cheap because <laughs> you're paying like three times as much for a ride from the airport as your friends. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like 18 or 19 and I was staying like in on Capitol Hill. Okay. Um, and I had all of this luggage. I had been there for four months or what have you. And... My mom at the time was like, can you please take a taxi to the airport? And I was like, no, I'm like a young working woman. I don't need to take a taxi to the airport. I'll just take the train. Ooh. And I had two giant suitcases. And it's like 100 degree weather, right? Like DC swampy summery weather. And I'm walking to the metro station. And I looked like hell. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm huffing and puffing. And- <laughs> Dragging these these and, suitcases filled yeah, with bricks. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think I was like so nutty that I was like, I want to work on my last day. So I think I was even in work clothes because I'm just I'm just a nut. And you you sound like the Anna Kendrick character going to the airport in the movie Up in the Air. So go to YouTube, y'all. Watch that scene and it's just it's one of the best scenes of all of movie history as far as i'm concerned and it just that that's the vibe i'm getting from from you describing this 
it's probably spot on. Yeah, yeah. And was the, did a George Clooney show up to help you? <laughs> like, like in the movie scene? Well, Uh-oh. so I'm, I have no idea where the story's going. I'm walking. Uh, that pause made me think that George Clooney is actually going to show up in the story. Well, I will, you know, I will let him know that he was compared to George Clooney. <laughs> but <laughs> I am walking past the Library of Congress and this guy gets out and he's like, can I help you? And I was like, no, I'm all set. And he's like, no, I'm going to help you. Oh. And so he helped me carry my suitcases and we start talking. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know in DC, is this person conservative? Are they are liberal? Like what's going on? And so he starts asking me questions and he's mm. like, oh, what are you doing down here? And I said, oh, I just interned for Senator Ayotte. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. And he's like, I, at the time, he was the communications director for Mike Pompeo. And his name is JP Freer and he still works in comms in DC. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, where are you going to college next year? And oh, I'm going to Mount Holyoke. And he was the one who was like, you should really look into working with the Leadership Institute. And I had never heard of the Leadership Institute before in my life. And he's like, they help train young conservatives. And like, this would be a really good opportunity for you. And so he connected me with them and with Gabby Hoffman. I don't, I don't know if you know Gabby Hoffman. She's a big uh, 2A and outdoors activist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hang she, on. She's on Twitter. And, um, she was with LI at the time and he connected me with them. And had I not been connected with LI, like I would have never run for office. I would have never, I mean, they, they did all my media training. They helped me with campus reform. Like I probably would have been at Mount Holyoke for four years, come out of liberal and right. you know, with pink hair. And I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but you know, had I not, had I taken the cab that day, like, I don't know if I would have ever run for office. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would have been yeah. called to it in a different way, but, um, you know, so butterfly effect. So I guess it's fair to say that you defying your mom. Yes. Is what changed your life in a positive way. It, it, it's very funny. Hi, mom. It, well, no, she knows. She knows. And it's it's so funny because she's like she's apologized a billion times, and she she was like, "Don't run for office. Don't drop out of college. Don't do these things." Oh, God. And she's just like, "What do you want me to do, mom?" <laughs> My goodness. And now she she'll she'll be like, "I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh, I was that's wrong." That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, just maybe when you have a big life choice, just. Ask mom to write down acceptable answers and see well, what, what, I, what am I allowed to choose from, mom? I think typically <laughs> it works out well when I do the opposite. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Because right. I'm I'm an I'm a natural um I'm a natural I naturally like to defy authority. Uh-huh. So that's probably where okay. that comes from. So let's visit your most embarrassing moment. It was a phone call with a reporter. That that's not the conversation where you realized that a fake press release correct okay what happened here so this was i think my first like media interview or maybe my second media interview of my campaign and i was and it was with a very 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 liberal newspaper in new hampshire called the concord monitor okay and had anyone given you any training to how to deal with the media or anything um i had done some stuff with the leadership institute okay this was just me being an idiot to Uh be honest okay (laughs) and was, uh, it, it, was alcohol involved? Nope, no alcohol involved. No, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, and, that's right. You were, you were still, man, my goodness. <laughs> okay. And um, I 
did this interview with this reporter and it went great. And I was at, I think I was at a coffee shop at the time. Like I was like kind of on the go and I thought that it went really well. And I was so nervous the whole time, like because it, they they're just known to to stab you in the front, especially if you're a conservative and 19, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. And um, but I thought it went really well. So I called my mom afterwards to let her know that the interview went well and she didn't pick up the phone or something. And so, like, I put my phone down and or in my pocket or what have you. And. So the phone starts ringing again and I didn't look to see who it was. And I just picked it up and I assumed that it was my mother. And I said to her, I said, hi, mom, I just got off the phone with it's a joke in New Hampshire. They call it the communist monitor. (laughs) Um, I said, I just got off the phone with the communist monitor and the reporters on the other line. And he goes, this is Nick from the communist monitor. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Did he not laugh? I was like, <gasps> and this is before Trump, right? So yeah. it's like it's it was much like it was it was not socially acceptable to say that to the media. Really, if you're running for office, like you know, go pound sand. Mm-hmm. And so they printed it, and it was like Yvonne Dean Bailey, comma, who refers to this paper as the Communist Monitor, comma. That might have earned you some votes. <laughs> it earned me some donations because. <laughs> A few people like took a screenshot of it and then like put it, started posting it on social media and they're like, this girl knows what she's talking about. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, yeah, embarrassing. embarrassing. No, no question that, embarrassing. that as you're talking to him, you're embarrassed. But I, I think was, in the long run, that's hysterical. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny now, but like yeah. my stomach, I think I, I almost lost it. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. Well, I can understand that. Uh, let's see. So is there anything that we haven't covered here today? Um, I know that you have uh, your twitter.com slash Y-D-Beep. So Y-D-B-E-E-P. Yep. Okay. Um, Instagram, same mm-hmm. thing. Y-D-B-E-E-P. Yep. Uh, and you've got that YouTube channel as well. Is there a direct link to that? or? Um, I, it should be Yvonne Bailey. Okay. So look for Yvonne Bailey and we'll put the link in the uh, podcast description. Well, I appreciate you traveling to Dallas. I hope you have a good stay here. And, uh, you know, if uh, if you're new home shopping, let me know and I'll point you to the Fort Worth side, <laughs> side of town. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Yvonne Bailey, uh, my guest this week on At The Mic. Thanks so much. Thank you. I enjoyed getting to know the story of Yvonne Bailey and uh, I look forward to seeing where her story goes beyond here. Hey, if you enjoy good conversations that we offer here on At The Mic, I hope you'll rate, review, and share the website at themicshow.com with anyone you think may want to hear some good conversations in their own life. Uh, Be sure to check out the show merchandise when you head over to atthemicshop.com as well. Hey, next week I sit down with Josh Parker, who, like Miss Bailey is another young person who's already made a big mark on the world. You may know Josh as the kid who created Parker's Maple Syrup, right? Well, now he's a young businessman with future plans to explore. And we talk with Josh next week here on At The Mic. I look forward to sitting down with him. Hey, until we meet up again here in one week's time, please go be free and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.